does anyone really need professional communications? The average adult speaks roughly 16,000 words per day. 16,000? We're pretty good at it. So why do we need to pay someone to communicate? And what exactly are we paying for? Welcome to the podcast, Stories and Strategies, the real world of professional communications. My name is Doug Downs. Thanks for joining us. That 16,000 words per day, by the way, is from a study at the University of Texas at Austin. Now, you might see some articles online that suggest women speak more than men. Just not true, according to the scientific research that's out there. So what does professional communications mean? Do professional communicators just speak better? Do they write better? Are they more convincing? Do they know the words that will get people to do the things you want? Are they spell checkers, grammar police? Are they brand police? I can assure you, none of the above. Well, well, actually, all of the above. It's kind of complicated. So joining me for episode one of this podcast is Jim Rudolph, the president of JGR Communications and my business partner. Hi, Jim. Hi, Doug. And are there magic words when, when we're talking? Do you know what? I don't, uh, I don't sense too many magic words when we're talking. <laughs> I'm afraid. And, and I think that's being honest. Um, Jim, considering, though, that we do get paid as professional communicators to make things easier to understand, when it comes to our vocation, we haven't necessarily done a very good job at explaining what we do for a living. Well, it is funny. When I try to explain to my uh, to, to family members and to friends uh, who have no uh, attachment to uh, the communications field, uh, trying to explain it, it just it's amazing to see their eyes glaze over. And uh, when you see that, you you question yourself. Geez, can I really can I really explain what it is I do? Because it is it is complicated. Luckily, uh, all my fellow communicators have always told me they have they get the same glazed <laughs> eyes when uh, when they talk to family and friends about what they do. Uh, and really. You know, words do matter. Uh, the professional, uh, you know, professional writing and script writing and all those things do matter. But it's really about it's about strategy. It's about planning. It's about having purpose uh, behind your communications. It's about understanding your audiences, the stakeholders that you're that you're dealing with. Uh, so that's you know that's the critical point is that communicators uh look at look at the big picture for the company look at the business objectives look at the different uh, audiences for for communications and build a plan a strategic plan around that and also you know think about the scenario different scenarios for different situations and uh, help the help the company uh, navigate through that so it's to me it's a lot more than just the right words right a key management function is is what you're describing there it's a it is it is a key strategic management function uh ideally uh 
the lead, uh, the communications lead for a company is sitting right at the executive management table with, uh, you know, with a VP title or a senior VP title and, uh, and, is, and fully understands reputation and the importance of communications and how that plays into reputation. Okay. And have you seen instances where organizations and, and very intelligent leaders see the communicators as the disseminators of information? Yes, all the, all the time. And in fact, you know, quite often, that's probably what people think about the most. Although I, I have seen organizations where uh, the communications function is, it is part of the executive management team and it's strategic and the, the leader is strategic and the leadership understands that communications is a strategic function. There is, uh, I mean, there is some of that dissemination of information. And when you're talking about internal communication, sometimes it is about, uh, you know, uh, coronavirus and sending out uh, tips about how to stay safe, those kinds of those kinds of things. But it is, uh, it, but it's all part of a plan. It's all part of um, all part of a structure. And that's really what communicators bring to the table is bringing structure around around communication and that uh, long-term planning. And you and I use the term professional communications or communication strategist. Isn't this all just PR? Well, the you know how people perceive the term public relations, uh, that's probably a topic for uh, you know for another podcast. You know, what I will say is that uh, you know in terms of communications, you know I see communicators as being, you know, interpreters uh, they help interpret uh, the outside world, the external world, to uh, to the company or to the organization, and help help guide uh, the company through what what external folks are thinking, but and also internal uh, internal employees as well. So it's uh, you know there's there's that interpretation role, and uh, I certainly I, I always use the term corporate communications, and the reason I use that term is like when you look at some of the, a lot of the literature. Uh, corporate communications has a 360-degree view of, uh, of of an organization and its communications needs, and that's where and that's my background is being uh, you know is managing uh, the communications function in uh, in organizations, and then after that, going out and uh, taking that experience and and starting JGR Communications right. ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. now. Um. And that's well longer than ten years ago, uh, or close. Exactly ten years yeah. ago. Was it exact? Exactly ten a, years a ago. A decade. Yeah. Um, and that public, not to cast aspersions on that term, public relations, because there there are very valuable associations that incorporate that name right in, like the Canadian Public Relations Society that you're a member of. That I'm a member of, and uh, lots of great learning through uh, you know through CPRS. Uh, I, Code of ethics, yes. all those, all those kinds of things that uh, you know that professionals need, uh, and uh, so yeah, so it's not to, not to cast aspersions on on that as well. I guess that's another piece of this is why I'm so glad that we're doing this podcast is that we can we can talk to fellow communicators whether they're uh, whether they're other consultants uh, and competitors or people that work in in in-house corporate communication shops, in-house public relations shops. That we can learn, all learn from each other, and that's really, I think, the goal of this uh, this podcast. And we can explore these issues together. So I'm really excited about it, and excited about what you're doing with this. Yeah, and part of the formula of the podcast is we, we want to play clips from songs, TV shows, movies. Um, with the first one is a clip from the TV series Mad Men, produced by Lionsgate Television, and it really it flows into 
what the public has perhaps, or, or many have seen as the negative connotation of the term PR. It's because of this 60s magic words kind of scenario that, that doesn't exist, and yet television at least has suggested that back in the 60s, it was all about the perfect pitch. In this scene, Don Draper and company are pitching to a lipstick company. They're pitching the slogan, Mark Your Man to a client to convince him these words are the magic elixir to greater sales. It's as simple as e pluribus unum, from many, one. From many shades of lipstick, one that belongs to her. From a basket of kisses, she picks one. It makes her unique. It colors her kiss. And her kiss, well, it colors her man. Belgely lipstick, mark your man. I only see one lipstick in your drawing. Women want colors. Lots and lots of colors. Mark your man. It's pretty cute. Oh, you like this? Well, maybe we should cut down to five shades or one. I'm not telling you to listen to anyone, but this is a very fresh approach. It's okay, Kenny. I don't think there's much else to do here, but call it a day. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Is that all? You're a non-believer. Why should we waste time on Kabuki? I don't know what that means. It means that you've already tried your plan and you're number four. You've enlisted my expertise and you've rejected it to go on the way you've been going. I'm not interested in that. You can understand. I don't think your three months or however many thousands of dollars entitles you to refocus the core of our business. Listen, I'm not here to tell you about Jesus. You already know about Jesus. Either he lives in your heart or he doesn't. Every woman wants choices. But in the end, none wants to be one of a hundred in a box. She's unique. She makes the choices and she's chosen him. She wants to tell the world he's mine. He belongs to me, not you. She marks her man with her lips. He is her possession. You've given every girl that wears your lipstick the gift of total ownership. Sit down. No. Yeah, so there you go. Is that how it actually works with, with that kind of pitch? People, you know, I think most people uh, in, in 2020... They understand when they're being advertised to, and they understand when they're uh, when they're being pitched. And I think we, I think we all, we all understand that, right? Because we are bombarded with messages every day. So, in my view, it's it's far more than that, and it's about you know, it's it's about being authentic, and it's about understanding audience needs, and it's about trying to create. Um, to me, it's about trying to create true dialogue between uh, an organization and its you know and its publics, its audiences. Uh, so it's it's far more than just the right words, no, and that's not to denigrate the right words because words are important, and that's you know that's part of our lives as communicators. But it's it, it, there's there's more behind it than just using the right words, and that's going to magically be the silver bullet to solve all all issues. So a time to pitch, a time to listen, a time to analyze, a time to take action. Boy, that's... very well said, Doug. Wait, I wonder we should put that down on paper. Those are good words, or something close to that, anyway. Uh, okay, let's play another clip from the movie Thank You for Smoking by Fox Searchlight, uh, Searchlight Pictures. And, and this, again, flows into another aspect of PR. Um, 
In this scene, Nick Naylor, our hero, played by Aaron Eckert, is a tobacco industry lobbyist whose only strategy appears to be bridging any conversation to values about choice. In other words, look at this shiny bauble over here. Don't pay attention to the conversation at hand. He's on the Joan London show at the beginning of the movie, surrounded by anti-tobacco lobbyists and a teenaged boy named Robin who has cancer from smoking. Nick takes command, look at this shiny bauble over here, with some sleight of hand. It's just like a John Grisham novel, you know, without all the espionage. Most importantly, we've got spin control. That's where I come in. I get paid to talk. I don't have an MD or law degree. I have a bachelor's in kicking ass and taking names. You know that guy who can pick up any girl? I'm him on crack. a heated issue and we do have a lot that we want to cover today Nick do you have a question Joan how on earth would big tobacco profit off of the loss of this young man now I hate to think in such callous terms but if anything we'd be losing a customer it's not only our hope it's in our best interest to keep Robin alive and smoking that's ludicrous let me tell you something Joan and Please, let me share something with the fine, concerned people in the audience today. The Ron Goodies of this world want the Robin Williger's to die. Well, you know why? So that their budgets will go up. This is nothing less than trafficking in human misery. And you, sir, ought to be ashamed of yourself. I ought to be ashamed of myself. As a matter of myself. fact, we're about to launch a $50 million campaign aimed at persuading kids not to smoke. Because I think that we can all agree that there is nothing more important than America's children. All right, now that's something that we're gonna to wanna to know more about. But I have to take a short break. Hang on, a lot more coming. Ah, so change the conversation with shifty words. Is that or is that not a strategy? It's certainly a diversionary tactic. <laughs> It's a, it's a tactic that I don't think works very well anymore. It's interesting, when I, uh, when I first started in communications, I think there was still, there was more people that were enamored by um, sort of the rhetorical devices that you can use to change the conversation and divert people's attention away from a real issue. Again, I, I think most communicators have moved uh, moved away from that. We still see a lot of that in politics, and that's where a lot of this comes from: is spin doctoring, quote unquote, in in politics. However, for I, I just I just don't think it's something that that works for an organization and to build you know to build long term trust uh, with your with your audiences, with your stakeholders, um, to have a sustainable um, reputation and, and solid reputation, you, you, you can't, you can't be doing things like you have to, you have to be able to address issues, uh, you know, head on and be able to, uh, you know, start a dialogue with, uh, you know, with people who may be concerned about what you're doing and try to communicate in as honest a fashion as, as possible. I know you've heard them described as Jedi mind tricks sometimes. Pay no attention to this issue here. You do not care. Well, it's funny, uh, and I think I had I think I had a potential client one time uh, even refer to that. You know, can you use your Jedi mind tricks to, uh, to help get us out of this? And of course, the the answer to that was, well, you 
you know, you can't make chicken salad out of, you know what, yeah, right? So right. <laughs> lipstick on a, on a pig. I wish, in many respects, I wish I had the, the Jedi mind tricks to be able to change, uh, persuade people to do exactly what I want them to do uh, all the time. But it's, uh, it's more complicated than that. I remember um, a president, this was early in my professional communications career, and I just crossed over from being a journalist, and I was attending a conference of the Radio and Television News Directors Association of Canada, or RTNDA, and they'd asked several of us in communications now who were former journalists to speak on a panel. And I had a very good friend with me, I'll, I'll leave their name out uh, of the story, I had a very good friend. My message, because I was really on the key message concept i was really just getting into communications so key messages were a big deal so my message to these news directors was i develop key messages speaking points things to deliver and my friend took the absolute opposite approach and said well i don't i tell the clients i work with to tell the truth because i won't have to remember what they said he absolutely won the day the irony here is that I was actually telling the truth and he was delivering a message that he knew that they would love. You see the, the sort of paradox and all that. So I've Absolutely. Never, <laughs> I've never forgotten. I've never it's, a good, it's, it's a great lesson to learn, though, early, earlier in your career, right? So. Strategy, we both agree. Communications has to be strategic. Have you seen mistakes by not being strategic in your communications? Yes, all the time. And in many respects... As communications consultants, we live off we live off those mistakes. But the biggest mistake that I see organizations making again is not being planned about their communications, not understanding the, the stakeholder groups that they're trying to deal with, not understanding the audiences, and in in some respects, um, underestimating say a level of discomfort or even outrage that might be that might be there with a particular decision or uh, with a particular direction that a company is going in. And what, what happens is uh, companies will realize this, and organizations will realize this when it's already, in my, in my view, in many respects, too late, and many times too late. Uh, you know, and then you almost have to start back from the beginning and start to rebuild dialogue, rebuild trust uh, with those groups. And it, takes a, it can take a long, you know, a long arduous uh, trail and so my advice to organizations is if you start to sense that there are issues work with your in-house corporate communications team or in-house public relations team if you don't have one of those go talk to a consultant and start to um, start to address it or else um, you know the project that the project that you want to build may not may not go ahead or may be delayed or any other kind of initiative that you're working on. Uh, maybe delayed or not happen at all, and uh, you see it all the time. It, people just wait too long to communicate, and uh, you know, communicate early, communicate often, and, and that ultimately comes down to the value that you place on communications, which is actually up to us as communicators to prove the value. How do you prove the value? How do you provide the measurement? Well, part of it is is understanding the, the company or organization that you work with, understanding the business plan, understanding those objectives. There's lots of different ways to, to demonstrate that you're helping, you're, you're helping meet those objectives. But you know, a, a great starting point in terms of value is uh, you, know, you ask an organization that has a corporate communications group, corporate communications team, and ask, what would happen if you took that group away? 
what would that mean? And you start to and you start to uh, talk through that and and realize the implications. I think a lot of people will see the value. Obviously, intangibles with uh, with communications. Lots of other measure, you know, lots of measuring tools as well. Lots of ways to show that, uh, you know, there's, I mean, it's, it's, there's typical measuring uh, options, uh, but, you know, really ask yourself that question. What if we, what if we didn't have a strategic communications function? What would that mean to our organization? And I think that's always a great starting point because uh, there's so many different aspects to it. Uh, so many different um, intangibles that go into it. You and I speak almost every day as business partners, so it's hard for me to say thank you so much for your time. We, we just don't wrap up conversations that way, but I, this was a different conversation for you, for, for us. Um, so I do very much appreciate your time. Well, thanks, Doug, for, uh, for moving this along and uh, keeping me on track. Perfect. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, my business partner, Jim Rudolph, you can email him at Jim, and it's J-I-M, at jgrcommunications.com. If you liked what you heard in this episode, would you do us a favor, recommend this podcast to one friend. And if you have an idea for an episode or just want to tell us something, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.